coming up on Marriage Today with Jimmy and Karen. Dysfunctional families don't talk. It's one of the hallmarks of dysfunction. There's an elephant in the room and we can't talk about it. Functional families talk. We have, we have an ethic in our home and that is we speak truth. It always should take place and you and I, we work on this, is you know, to say, you know, I'm so sorry that, that that's how it made you feel, but let me give you my perspective. Exactly. And you know, so we just talk honestly all the time. Great marriages have anger. Karen and I get angry at each other. That's not the issue. That's, that's just the way it is. But we know how to get it out. Early in our relationship, when we almost divorced, we had, bought, we had aged anger in our marriage that was there for years. And because of that, we couldn't talk about many things. We fought all the time. We had a cycle that we would go for a month or two and then have a huge blow up and then make up and go for another month or two. And by the time that the Lord began to heal our relationship, we were numb we had fought so much. That's a dangerous way to live in a marriage. And so a great marriage has anger, but you don't have to deal with it. So uh, unresolved anger causes health problems, severe health problems. University of Michigan studied people in bad marriages They have a 35% higher incidence of disease and live an average of four years less. When you have chronic anger in your marriage that that you don't deal with or can't deal with, it literally causes you to live a shorter life. And it says here, four years less. Secondly, emotional problems, depression and anxiety. The clinical definition of depression is anger turned inward. The highest consumer of our emotions is anger, and we're limited in our emotions. See, if, if, if we all went outside and, and ran, we would all you know, wear out at some point because we understand our physical energy is limited, but so is your emotional energy. Depression is when your emotions can't go any further, and you're, you've got anger in there, you've got anxiety in there, and your emotions are on a treadmill, and you wake up the next morning and you're just flat. You just don't have any emotions. After winning the Olympics athletes get depressed. It's because there's such a sense of jubilation in what they've done that they emotionally exhaust themselves and then it takes them time to recover. This is Ephesians 4, two texts in Ephesians 4. First of all, verses 26 and 27, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath nor give place to the devil. The other text begins in verse 31, Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ forgave you. And so that's the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 4 telling us about anger and all the ramifications of anger. Number one, don't, of dealing with anger is don't deny your anger, is admit your your anger. when you bottle up anger, there are intimidators and internalizers. Intimidators, you always know they're angry because they're always angry. And their teapot whistles real quick. And so, you know, this is the way I was, is that they're intimidators. They're, they're angry and they want you to fear their anger. This is the way that I was. This is control. Part of control is I want to train you that when you cross me, you're going to pay a price. 
You're never going to have intimacy in that environment. That's why we didn't have intimacy. So I was an intimidator. I was always going off. I was very emotive. I was verbally abusive. When Karen may be mad, I just say whatever I wanted to say. Devastated, devastated our relationship. But then there are internalizers, and Karen was an internalizer. And so she wouldn't talk about her feelings. She would just kind of bottle up her emotions. Really was one of the reasons that I got so frustrated. I knew there was something wrong, but she just wouldn't talk about it. But every couple of months, she would just explode, and it would all come out that way. So we were both extremely unhealthy. I was doing a seminar in Ohio, and there was a couple that came up to talk to me. And they were telling about their friend, and their their friend uh, just left her husband. And uh, they've been married for 10 years, and her, their husband came to them and said she never complained one time. She never one time told me anything was wrong. And she said, and then she left me and left a note telling me how miserable she was and all the things that she felt and thought. She had internalized anger toward him for 10 years, never told him, and was all over with. She divorced and just left him. Okay, that's, that's kind of one of the ultimate things the devil wants for us is for anger to destroy our love, our outlook on life, our optimism, and then for us to become hopeless in a relationship. Don't deny your anger. And there's a couple of very important things here. First is don't feel guilty about your anger. Let me tell you some of the reasons that we get angry. Sometimes we get angry for good reasons. Sometimes we don't get angry for good reasons. But one, one reason for anger is legitimate violation. You crossed a boundary. You did something that you shouldn't have done, so I'm angry. I can get angry because of ignorance or misunderstanding. Karen is a normal woman, but when I first, we got, first got married, I just thought she was weird. I thought there's something. She's defective because she's not like me. And, and in my ignorance of females in the way that God calls females, have you ever tried to put your children's toys together? Okay, that makes me angry. Because whoever writes those instructions is of the devil. <laughs> and so sometimes just ignorance, you know, you get frustrated and you get angry or whatever. Immaturity. Some, sometimes I get angry because I'm just immature. I'm just, you know, kind of being a brat. Uh, sometimes it's uh, unrealistic expectations. I had, I had an expectation that it would be easier. I had an expectation that, that you would change. I had an expectation that didn't come true. I, I don't know why. You know, I'm angry all the times, and sometimes my anger is illegitimate, but it's still there. Again, my feelings not, may not be right, but they're real. They're my feelings. I'm not going to feel guilty because I feel angry. Okay. The second is to cultivate an atmosphere of honesty within your relationship. Your spouse has to know they can share anything without paying a price. Emotionally. Regular, everyday stuff. See, when we get people in counseling and people will come in counseling and they'll say this and this and this and this, and we'll say, have you told your spouse that? No, they go ballistic. And what that means is the atmosphere in our home is I'm not free to share because they've trained me that I'm going to pay a price. So, I, so I've done it before. I paid a price. I don't feel free. Um, let me tell about two stores, two stores that I want to hate, want to love. There's, there's a store uh, that I shop at that I love. And um, it, you, you know, it's a big box store and they just take anything back. They're the most fantastic people on earth about taking stuff back. So I bought one of those leaf blowers one day from the store and I took it home and I used it for a couple of years and it broke and it was out of warranty. I knew it was out of warranty. And so I took it back to the store and I put it up on the counter. A little gal was behind the counter there, a real sweet, happy person. And I put the leaf blower up there and I said, honey, I want to get this 
fixed, if you would. It's out of warranty. But if y'all would go ahead and fix it. And she looked at it and said, you, you bought it here? And I said, yeah, I bought it here a couple years ago. It's out of warranty if you wouldn't mind getting it fixed. She said, why don't you just go get another one? I said, I don't want to buy another one. I said, just go ahead and fix it for me if you would. She said, go get another one. We're going to give it to you. <laughs> so I go over and get me a leaf blower, a better one than I had the first time. Go get a better one. Come put it up on the counter. She scans it and said, thank you. And I thought, I love this store. I just, I absolutely love the store. Because they have a customer relations counter. And it's just such a wonderful place to go. And I feel safe buying something because they'll take it back. If I don't have my receipt, they'll take it back. If it's all beat up, they'll take it back. I just feel great about that store. Well, there's another store I don't like. And someone gave me a shirt. Uh, it was a fitted shirt. I mean, I looked at the size on the neck. And it you know, was my size. And so I took it out of the box and Karen pressed it for me and I was going to wear it. It hadn't been washed or anything, and, uh, but it was an Italian cut and I don't have an Italian body. So I took the shirt to the store where it was purchased from, walked up to the counter and I put the shirt there on the counter and I said, hey, I'd like to uh, just exchange this if I could. Uh, it doesn't fit. And there was a guy behind the counter, real kind of a snobby guy. And he said, ah, oh, the shirt's been worn. We don't take back used merchandise. I said, it hadn't been worn. I said, I got it as a gift. My wife pressed it, hadn't been washed or anything. I said, put it on, took it off. I would just like to exchange it if I could for another store, for another shirt. And he said, uh, the shirt's been worn. I said, no, it hadn't been worn. I said, I, I want to exchange it for another shirt. So he went and got his manager. So the manager came over, never looked at me, never made eye contact with me. The manager came over and he said to the manager, when the manager walked up, this man wants a new shirt, but it's been worn. And so I'm just thinking, <laughs> this is unbelievable. So the manager picks the shirt up and looks at it, holds it up into the light, and then starts sniffing the armpits. And he, he sniffs both armpits several times like this. And I'm thinking, so, you know, what a wonderful experience this is. He never looks at me, throws the shirt down, and said, give him another one, and walks off. And I thought, I will never come back in this store again the rest of my life because this is what your customer relations counter is like. Yeah. See, in marriage, you have a customer relations counter. And whether you realize it or not. And your customer relations counter is, hey, what do you need? I'm going to give you a new one. I want to be your department store of love. And if I'm doing anything, if I'm saying anything that you don't like, I want you to be able to come and complain and to have a wonderful experience for our marriage's sake. But my customer relations counter when Karen and I got married was like this. <laughs> she would come and complain to me. and It's like, what's your problem? What's wrong with you? There's no problem with me. See, I was so defensive. See, the four major predictors of divorce... Number one's criticism is an, at, uh, an atmosphere of negativity. Number two is defensiveness. Not allowing your spouse the right to complain. And see, when I'm defensive, I'm not just not allowing you to complain. I'm also saying you're the problem. The reason that I'm not going to let you complain is if you would just get your act together, everything would be okay. Number three is contempt. Contempt means aged anger. Not anger, it's long-term anger. The longer that you're angry, the more you become contemptuous at that thing that made you angry. And number four, stonewalling. And stonewalling means don't talk to me. 
This is when communication totally shuts down. Do not talk to me about the children. Do not talk to me about money. Don't talk to me about my behavior. Don't talk to me about this. And everything just shuts down. And so to keep, to keep the communication lines open, we need to be able to say to each other, honey, complain. I may not agree. We may have to talk things out, but I'm not going to throw a fit. I'm not going to start yelling at you. I'm not going to start insulting you. We Dysfunctional families don't talk. It's one of the hallmarks of dysfunction. There's an elephant in the room, and we can't talk about it. Functional families talk. Well, this program today is on resolving anger, you know, disarming destructive anger. Uh, it comes from the series, Return to Intimacy. You know, intimacy, you're just not going to have intimacy and a lot of anger at the same time. Mm-hmm. You know, Karen, everybody's got anger. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone gets angry. That's not, that doesn't make you less of a person. Uh, if you get angry, God gets angry. Mm-hmm. And the difference between a good marriage and a not so good marriage is a, a good marriage has anger, yeah. but you can get it out. Mm-hmm. You process it. In a bad marriage, you're collecting it. Mm-hmm. Uh, your, your marriage is, is just holding in anger that you don't know how to process. Now this, and it, it's an intimacy killer. Mm-hmm. That anger will kill the garden of your love. It doesn't mean you can't get it back because we did. When people say they're out of love, mm-hmm. a lot of times it's just there's so much anger in there, they have no positive feelings mm-hmm. left. So back when we first got married, Karen, um, you had anger. Okay. It was mm-hmm. one of the things, and you're much better than me. I mean, you were <laughs> always much better than me. But probably the, the biggest issue you had in our marriage was anger, mm-hmm. okay? I had big-time anger, mm-hmm. okay? So when we would get frustrated with one another, you know, you would bottle it up, mm-hmm. okay? And I wouldn't know anything was wrong until it was really wrong. <laughs> but I was always angry, you know? I mean, I was just kind of, you know, walking around angry. So talk about in the early days of our marriage and giving your spouse the right to complain when I complained, I didn't do it well, mm-hmm. but just talk about those early days in, in the anger. Well, you'll say this. You didn't complain. You yeah, prosecuted sure. me. Absolutely. <laughs> so, it was like, and I was, I was too uh, naive to know how to deal with, you know, being, yeah. you know, prosecuted. So, um, but let me back up just for a second, because I think it's really important to say that we live in a society today that it's almost like we've given society the right to be angry. It's like we, we tell people it's okay. You know, what helped us is back then, you know, people weren't allowed to be angry like they are today. You know, and so there was more of a check and balance of, you know, you really need to deal with this. And so um, I think, you know, that's another pr- uh, perspective I'm having today is just how many people are so angry? I mean, I've never seen such violence well, then, in the home. Well, they're not and processing it. No. Yeah. And, and so, like, for us, you know, we didn't have that, but we still had these same things that brought up those emotions. It's just that we were, you know, we were taught and we were told and we, we re- read in the Bible where, you know, yes, you can be angry, but don't take it all the way out there. You know, have, have self-control. You know, have love and respect for the people that you're around where you don't do damage and you don't hurt other people uh, to get your way. And I know for you, um, what you would do, because I, I can remember you saying this to me when we were first married, you would get so mad and you just walk away. And I was like, 
wait, come back here. We're not finished with this. And in you, it's like, I just fear what would happen if I really let my anger go. And it's like, oh, like the Incredible Hulk? What? <laughs> you know? Because <laughs> I never got to really experience that. You know, I mean, I mean, the worst was ever, ever, ever that we ever had physical was uh, I threw a sh- shoe through the door once and left a hole, and you threw a chair at another, t- and I was like the next day, like, you threw that chair at that door oh my gosh you know so you know thankfully we weren't you know physically yeah. abusive with each other but our mouths could do so much destruction oh, yeah. Yeah. you know with, with that did. anger yeah. yes and and it's just as damaging well and, early in our marriage when when we didn't know how to process anger mm-hmm. it was frustrating mm-hmm. because we felt anger I'd, we'd go to bed mad and lay there mad you yeah. know and all that and i'd give you the silent treatment after i would verbally abuse you then mm-hmm. i'd give you silent treatment when you get angry, you're going to get angry. The first thing that we do is we, uh, we're, we're going to deal with this today. Mm-hmm. It's what we talked about in the teaching. We're not going to go to bed on this anger. Okay. And that's a, that is an ethic of our relationship that says we're not going to get in the habit mm-hmm. of cold wars mm-hmm. or, you know, wars of just, you know, like you said, Karen, no restraint, mm-hmm. saying bad things to each other, doing mm-hmm. bad things to each other. We're going to have anger, but number one, we're going to find the right, we're going to let our emotions cool down. We're going to find the right place to meet. The second thing, Karen, that's so critical is when we are resolving anger is to begin with affirmation. Mm -hmm. Is you don't begin by saying, I've got my lawyer's number on speed dial, and if Mm -hmm. you don't say the right thing, is threatening, you know, those kind of things. You start by saying, I love you. Mm And, exactly. you know, I, I'm, I'm angry, mm-hmm. but I love you. We're on the same team. I'm committed to our marriage, mm-hmm. but I want to talk to you about mm-hmm. what's bothering me. And so the harsh startup in a confrontation, the first three minutes of any conversation dictate the entire conversation. Mm-hmm. The, uh, a conversation never rises above the level of the first three minutes. So if you're mad at your spouse mm-hmm. and you start out by yelling and saying all this stuff, walk away and mm-hmm. come back later. Mm-hmm. But you have to begin with that. And as we said in the, the, the program there, Karen, you have to give your spouse the right mm-hmm. to complain without paying a price. Mm-hmm. And you were talking about me being a prosecutor early in our marriage. You paid a price. Mm-hmm. If you said something to me that I didn't like, you knew you were going to pay a price. So you would bottle it up as long as you could. And then when you couldn't anymore, <laughs> you would explode. And we just had a dysfunctional relationship. And I know a lot of people can relate to this. We had a dysfunctional relationship. Mm-hmm where we could not process our anger. Well, and I think that, you know, it's always good to, to after this, the, uh, after the effects of the anger and you've, as you're going through this to next time you get angry, you know, stop a minute and ask yourself, why am I really angry? Because usually behind that anger, something's going on. Oh, yeah. I know for myself, one time I got so angry about something that was so, and it didn't even have anything to do with you. And it was so, so angry about something that I couldn't believe I was so angry about. And I was just like, Lord, why did that make me so mad? And he said, because it hurt your feelings. I'm like, Oh, it did hurt my feelings, you know? <laughs> and I remember just thinking, you know, it's so nice to know that sometimes there is legitimate anger. It's just how you use it. Yeah. And, and if it's righteous or unrighteous, and, you know, and if your feelings have been hurt, you know, deal with your feelings. But don't make somebody else pay the price for why your feelings are hurt. And so that's good. We're, we're going to keep talking about this issue of anger. We're going to take a break right now. We'll be right back, so stay tuned. 